we're going through, we're talking about how Paul was laying out for the church in Corinth, which is very similar to, to any church today, issues that were going on within the church. And he was answering their questions. And in chapter 8, if, if we'll remember, in chapter 8, the question he answered is, basically, what about my rights? I got the right to do this. I got the right to do that. It's not really a sin. You know, it's all those gray area questions. Maybe you've experienced some of those, or maybe you've asked some of those in, in your own life. Lord, is it okay if I do this? Lord, is it okay if, if I do that? How do I choose? I mean, if it's not specifically written in God's Word... How do I know the, my direction, what I should do, what I, what I ought to be about? And so Paul would write to us basically three points that we could pull out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9. And the first thing he said is, is whatever you're about to do helpful? Is it helpful? Is it something that's going to make you better, draw you closer, bring you near the Lord? Is it something that's going to uh, be a blessing to you or to others? Is it helpful? Then he said, well, is this something that's going to dominate me? Remember, Paul said, uh, I have liberty to do all things, but not all things edify. I can do all things, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm not going to allow these things to dominate me. So if this thing that I want to do, this freedom that I might have, is it going to dominate me? Is it something that's going to rule my life? And finally, he said this, is this loving? The scripture calls for us to not only be concerned about our own desires, but also for the needs of others. That it is not only about me. But in our world today, folks, we can pretty much draw a line through one phrase that's going to cause more problems in anyone's life than any other, and that is selfishness. It's good for me. Why should I care about you? Makes me happy. I feel good when I do this. It's, this fulfills my, my life. I like this. And so the third point that we want to look at, is this something that I want to be doing? It's simply this, guys. Is this loving? Is this going to bless my brother? Because Paul would say, listen, if it causes my brother to stumble that I eat meat, I'll never eat meat again. That's the point, the place that we want to reach. Folks, when we consider our lives and am I living my life for Christ? Am I doing all that I can do for Him? When we consider that, we want to realize, we need to look at the rule, is not my brother or sister sitting next to me in a pew. The rule is Jesus. What about Jesus? Where, where does he fall in the scheme of things? Because I can look through the Gospels and I can see Jesus getting up early in the morning to spend time with his Father. Morning after morning after morning. I see him ministering to people all day long, all night long. He's worn out at the end of the day, healing people all day, speaking, teaching, trying to, to help people see the truth, trying to correct the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, only go to bed late at night and do what? Get up early in the morning and seek his father and start the day over again. Three years he ministered in that way. And the culmination of that is his obedience to death, the death of the cross. 
When Jesus walked on earth, as he worked in his ministry, it was not about him. And if there was ever someone that it should have been all about, it was him. But he gave us an example. And Paul writes to us in Philippians, so we need to let this mind be in us. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been a part of athletics, but if you have, here's an important lesson to learn. It really doesn't matter how good you start. It matters how you finish. Not that long ago at NFL, everybody's talking about all these unbeaten teams, and are they the ones? Every year that happens, don't it? Somebody goes unbeaten, gets a 9, 10, 11 games. They haven't lost a game yet. They start wondering if this is the team that's going to go undefeated all the way through, not lose a game. But it doesn't matter how you start. It doesn't matter you go 11-0. It matters who wins the last game. Because that's the team that gets to hang that trophy up in their front office, isn't it? The team that finishes. I could lose the first four or five games and come back and win the rest of the games in a season. I didn't get no press in the beginning. What mattered was how I finished. It's not as important that we start our relationship with God. It's not as important that we start as it is that we finish. Look at the scriptures. Look at what happens over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Can't we see people who started but didn't finish well? You remember King Saul, man, he was head and shoulders about everybody else. He actually started pretty good. He was moving, he was listening to the Lord, but it wasn't very long down the line that he became more important than everything else. And then the scripture says that the Holy Spirit departed from him and he didn't know it. The anointing left and settled on a young man named David. Now David, he, you know, he, he had his ups and downs, didn't he? But it, folks, it's not about if we fail. It's not about if we struggle. It's about who are you going to leave enthroned in your life? Is your life, is your primary goal in my life, in your life, is it to please self? Is it about me, what I can get, what I need? Or is it about honoring the Lord? And doing what he's calling us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in a way that you will be able to obtain it. Now, having coached for 10 years, I've seen a lot of guys... I've seen guys with incredible talent, never go nowhere. I've seen guys that, that had about a thimble full of talent, and, and they would go on and play in college. The difference was how much they were dedicated, how much they were devoted to, to their sport or their craft. When we look at our walk and our lives with Christ, how many of us are just marking time in the race that we're running? How many of us would really say, you know what, I'm running my race to win? I'm going for it. Everything I got, I'm pouring it out. I want to win this race. Because Paul says, if we want to finish well, if we want to take self off the throne, if we want to live a life that's loving and pleasing to our brothers, then we have to run to win. Now, he's saying, he's given us an example of running a race. We know only one person wins that. 
But folks, don't you realize every single one of us is running an individual race. Every one of our individual races is a different route. It's a different path. It's a different journey. We're not all on the same journey. But how are we running our race? Are we just marking time? Are we just walking? Are we just jogging? Are we downcast? Are we just playing at it? Or are we full on running our race to win? So many times we can get caught in that trap. That trap that says, hey, this is, this is pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm all right. And we find ourselves just marking time. And if I'm not careful and I look back, I can watch myself mark time for 13, 14, 15 years. And then I spend so much time worrying about the 15 years that I wasted that I forget to run today. We want to run our race. Paul says, listen, run your race to win. Run that you may obtain the prize. Listen, everyone who competes, the Greek word word for that is agonizomai. It's the same word we get for agonize, to contend, to strive earnestly. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it, speaking of his example, these athletes, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable. They're doing it for something that's not going to last. But we're doing it for something that lasts forever. And listen to what he says. When they compete, how does an athlete compete? The difference between the kids that I coached that went on and played in college and the ones that didn't was what they were willing to give up of their rights. You know, I got a right every day to get up in the morning and I can eat a dozen donuts. But if I think I'm going to go play a running back in the NFL and get up every morning and eat a dozen donuts, I'm a little nutty, isn't I? It's not going to work out. That can't happen. Don't I have a right to eat donuts if I want to? Yeah. But is it going to help me? No. Those who run the race to win... Who are saying not, this is what I have, or I have a right to do this, but rather, I'm going to set this aside so that I can obtain the goal. We talked about last week, what are we willing to set aside for Christ? What are we willing to set aside for Him? The Bible calls us to set aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run the race with endurance. For we have need of endurance. Our walk with Christ, our our run through this world. How many of you have figured out it's not a sprint yet? It's not just real quick and it's done. It's a long, grueling race. A long, grueling run. And if we're going to do it, we got to keep our eyes on the prize. Now, when I go run that race, am I going to just put on a vest full of weights? I had a young guy playing football for me. He said, Coach, this would be great. I bought this, this vest. And on this vest, you put all these sandbags, all the sandbags in the back, all these sandbags in the side. So you, that vest weighed over 100 pounds. And he put it on and run. Well, you better not put it on and run a race that way. He said, I'm going to wear this, and when I take it off, I'll be so fast. But you're not going to be fast when you're running. You're not going to be fast in that place. The Bible says, cast aside every weight. What's a weight? Anything that's not helpful. 
That's a weight. I didn't say sin. I said a weight. Anything that holds you back from running your race, lay it aside. Then he said, and the sin that so easily ensnares. You know what that means? Folks, we're all different people. Do you know that? And we all struggle with different things. There are some folks today that are here that struggle with alcohol, some that struggle with drugs, some that struggle with pornography, some that struggle with a variety of other sins. But he said, lay aside the weights and that sin that so easily ensnares you. That one that's ruling over us. That one that is what? Dominating. We're not going to let anything dominate us. We're going to set that aside. It's not going to dominate. We're not going to allow that. Folks, all we have to do is present ourselves to Christ as my hands that used to steal, steal no longer. I give them to the Lord as tools of righteousness. It's all a choice I make. It's all a choice I make. I want to run this race. I want to win the prize, man. I want to hear Jesus say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, whoo, I didn't think you were going to make it, Jackie. (laughs) I was worried about you. No, I want to hear well done. And there's only, folks, don't fool yourself. There's only one way to hear it. Run your race to win. Man, our world today is sideways, isn't it? Who knows how many people just this week died in in Haiti because somebody got to the rice line first and got a bowl of rice. And so the guy behind him that didn't get any shot him. Dead over a bowl of rice. That's not just something that happens there, though, is it? It happens everywhere. And this world needs to know that Jesus loves them. And that if your belly's empty... You look to the bread of life and allow him to fill your needs. To take the truth of the living word of God to people. Man, we need to be doing that. Run our race. The race that the Lord has laid out for us. Run it that we might receive the imperishable crown. Verse 26, he says, Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, and thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Shadow boxing. You never knock nobody out that way. If you think you have a career in the UFC, but all you ever do is fight in front of a mirror, that's not going to get it done. I have to have purpose. I have to have certainty. What am I doing in my race? Where am I going? What has God called me to? What is the Lord directing me to? Man, I want to be able to to finish, to run, to be everything that God's calling me to be. Well, as we consider that, hold your, hold your place here and go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I think Paul lays out for us here some real good guidelines. Hey, I want to run my race. I want to receive a crown. I want to finish well. I don't want to just start. It's not good enough just to start. I want to finish. I want to accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. So in chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. My rights, my position, my possessions. All these things that I thought was so important in my life. Paul said, count them as rubbish, trash, weights. Things that are holding me back. Things that are stopping me from moving forward. 
Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ. Folks, what are you holding on to? What are we holding on to that this is the end-all, beat-all thing? This, this thing that I have in my hands, the most important thing that you won't let go, like that little spider monkey reaching his hand in the trap, grabbing a handful of marbles. Now he's caught. Why is he caught? Because he won't never let go of the marbles. They're pretty. And that guy come running around behind him with a big old club. And he's stuck in this trap, jumping around, trying to, to get loose. But he can't get loose because he won't let go of the marbles. And so he don't let go of the marbles, and he gets clubbed. No more spider monkey. Folks, some of us monkeys need to get our hand out of the trap. Amen. Let go of the pretty little shiny rocks. Don't let the devil come around and bash your head in. Get your hand out of the cage. Let go. There was this father, had a daughter he loved very much. One day they're going through the grocery store like they will do. And, and I know Joe does this. If he walks by something uh, on the aisle when you're trying to leave, that's where they put all the things for the kids, right? So they'll grab it. And then you have this big ruckus. Well, this father and his daughter are going through the line, and she sees this candy necklace. She reaches over, Dad, this is everything I ever wanted in my life. It looks just like a pearl necklace, a candy pearl necklace. Dad, can I have it? And so her dad said, yeah. Gave her the necklace. That's how us dads are. If it was a boy, no. Man, be quiet and sit down. <laughs> but because it's a girl, oh, sure, honey, you can have it. So she's got this this candy necklace. She loved that candy necklace. She wore that candy necklace for a whole week. You're supposed to eat them. She didn't want to eat it. She wanted to wear it. She had a permanent green stripe around her neck. <laughs> from that candy necklace on her neck. So one day, Daddy comes to put her to bed. And he comes in the room and says, Honey, do you love me? And she says, Oh, Daddy, I love you so much. And he said, Well, would you give me anything? And she says, Yeah, Daddy, I'll give you anything. What do you want? Can I have your candy pearl necklace? Because he's thinking that's going to turn into fungus. We had a problem going on. And she goes, oh, daddy, I love you so much. I love you. So you can have my doll. You can have my Barbie. I love my Barbie. Dad, you can have the Barbie. Oh, that's all right, honey. They say their prayers and he tucked her to bed. The next night, same thing. He comes to his daughter. Baby, do you love me? Oh, dad, I love you so much. Will you give me anything? Yeah, dad, I give you anything. What do you want? I want that candy pearl necklace. Well, Dad, I got my little pony. You can have my little pony, Dad. The tail, look at the tail's all brushed and pretty. Dad says, oh, that's all right, hon. He puts her to bed. Next night he goes in and there's his little girl, his whole world just bawling like a baby. Just can't even get words out. He's saying, honey, what's the matter? What's wrong? She can't even speak. She can't even say it. All she could do is put out her hand. And in her hand was that candy pearl necklace. So dad smiled, told her how much he loved her, and he took that candy pearl necklace. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a real pearl necklace. And he gave it to her. He said, I couldn't give you the real thing till you were willing to let go of what you thought was so important. 
Once you let it go, now you have the real deal, the reality. Folks, that's what God wants to do for us. What are we holding on to? Like a bunch of monkeys in a cage. What do we got our hand into that we think is so good? Because, folks, what's the devil coming to do? He's coming to destroy. He's coming with that club. We need to get our hand out the cage. We need to let go of the pretty rocks. We need to do what Paul did. I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. The most important thing for Paul, the focus needs to be where? On Jesus. Eyes on Him. Why did I get up this morning? For Jesus. I didn't get up this morning to go to work. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to work better than any other employee for my boss. Why? Because I'm working for Jesus. Not working for Him. That needs to be our motivation. That's what makes us get up. That's what makes us move. In verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3, says, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. i gotta, I got to keep my foundation solid, that foundation and trust in Jesus Christ. Folks, it's not about what I do. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not I did this, I don't do that, but you do that. Oh, you're not as good as me, but I'm better than them. No, it's about Jesus. Is Jesus your foundation? Is He your motivation? Is your faith and trust in Him? It's hard for us in the United States. You know, a lot of people say, oh, look at how bad the third world country is. I, I promise you. When the United States comes to the place where none of us know where that next meal's coming from, we'll pray. Right now... We just reach in our pocket, pull that ATM card out, run over to the market. I don't have to pull cash. I shunk, and they hand me food. It's a little different. We need to keep Jesus, that foundational area, that foundational principle that being found in him is more important than anything else. In, in him. Then he goes on in verse 10. Look at this. That I may know him. How many of us wake up, myself included, wake up in the morning and say, today I need to know Jesus better than I knew him yesterday? If I do that, I'm moving forward. If I do it not, I'm falling behind. Every day that I might know him. And what? The power of his resurrection. Do you know the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I? The power is there. The God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's mind-boggling. That I might know Him in a greater degree. And the power of His resurrection. This is the part we, we want to forget. And the fellowship of His suffering. Wait a minute. What's that all about? If I truly want to share in the glory of Christ... I have to be willing to share in his suffering. Because it was in his suffering that his glory is revealed. We look at the world and we say, why does it got to be so hard? Why do we have to go through hard times? Why do people have to suffer? Why does evil have to be in the world? Why do bad things happen? It's a fellowship of suffering. Because the one who came before us, he walked that road too, didn't he? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
Bible says we hid our faces from him. We wouldn't look at him. He had no form or comeliness that we would desire him. Yet he was stricken. We thought he was smitten by God. Afflicted. Marred beyond all recognition. That was his act of love. But the Bible says, even Jesus, he learned obedience, how? Through the things he suffered. That's part of the path. The fellowship of suffering. Do you know that Abraham was called a friend of God? You know why? Because he, just like God the Father, offered his son on a mountain And so he entered into the fellowship of the unashamed. He entered into that place where we can say, you know, my color is going to be clear. People are going to look at me and know I'm a believer. I don't care how bad, how ugly, how nasty, whatever dumb things I do. All those things are going to happen. But hey, I'll enter into the fellowship of suffering and I will not be ashamed. I want to glorify Jesus Christ where I'm at. And so it's not that the suffering folks... I promise you, every single person in this room, the world is going to hit you harder than you've ever been hit before. It will knock you down. It will put you on the ground and you'll be faced with a choice. I can lay here and the world will stop hitting me. I get up and it'll keep trying. I always want to be the guy that gets up. I always be the one that keeps climbing up from the ground And saying, I'm not out. It's not over. It's not over until I see Jesus. Until then, I will never give up. I want to kick the darkness till it bleeds the light. That's what God's calling for us. And sometimes we're going to lose. Sometimes we're going to fall. Sometimes we'll fail. But don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ever stop. We want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead, seeing Jesus face to face. But verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but what? I press on. I am not already there. I haven't crossed the finish line. I haven't finished my race, but I press on. We're going to fail. We're going to fall. We've all seen teams. We've sporting events where a team's falling behind. Only watch them come back and win. It's not about how I started. It's about how I finished. It's not about how many times I fail. How many times a fighter got the standing eight count. If he was standing at the end and victorious, he wins. It don't matter. But the only way for them to receive the prize is never give up, never stop, never quit, never be tired, never say, that's it, I can't move forward. No, we want to move forward. God is inside of you. The power of the resurrection will give you the strength you need. Just, Just rely on Him. But what He needs from us, He needs us to stand up. To say, here I am. Not quit. I'm a dirt bag. I'm a sinner. I failed. I've fallen, but I'm not going to quit. Because a person like that will never, ever outrun the grace of God and God's ability to pick him up and move him forward. 
I want to finish that race. I'm going to press on that I can lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. You know what that means? That means when Jesus was on the cross and it was bad and they were pulling his joints out of socket and his skin was off his back and the only thing holding his intestines inside his body was the little thin strips of fat that were under the skin. When he was ready and willing to give up, to quit, to say, forget this. And all he'd have to do is have a thought And we would have all been vaporized. But he didn't do it. Why? The Bible says he was thinking of you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw you. And that kept Jesus on the cross. And he says, now you look at me. And that will keep you on yours. Stay on Bear that burden that the Lord has given you to carry. Run your race to win. It's not like anybody else's. You're not competing with the one next to you. You're competing with yourself and the devil, the enemy. He's the guy with the club. We're the ones with a hand in the cage. We want to run the race. Win that race. Don't let the enemy have the victory. He says, brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I don't live in the past. That's what it means, forgetting those things that lie behind. It doesn't mean I don't ever remember my failures. It means I don't live there anymore. I do not dwell in my... How many of us get so focused on the past, we can't do nothing now because we're so busy worrying about what happened? I used to be there. I'd spend so much time worrying about the 15 wasted years, I'm not going anywhere now because I'm looking back. Jesus said, no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Why? Because if I'm looking behind myself, I can't be moving forward. And he tells us the secret of moving forward. Where is our eyes? On Christ Jesus. The upward call. I keep my eyes on the prize. Folks, the prize is not the crown that I'm going to receive when I get to heaven. The prize is not the streets of gold. The prize isn't all the cool things that the Bible tells us heaven's all about. The prize is Jesus Christ. He's the prize. He's the trophy. I'm a trophy of His grace. And He is the prize that I run the race to, to, to hold on to. To throw my arms around him one day. To to imagine in my heart the inexpressible joy that you know that you'll feel when this is all over and all that exists is us and him. And we're not going to be thinking like John was saying. We're not going to be thinking about all the toys and all the things we could have been doing here or there. That would be the farthest thing from our mind. Only the things we do for Christ will last. They're eternal. And so he says, verse 15, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. What's that mind? Philippians 2, 5-8. through The mind of Christ. The attitude that Christ had. Brethren, Join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. 
Hey, look at the people that are doing well. Look at the people that are, that are trucking with the Lord. And then see, what is it that I'm holding on to? Where's, how is my little monkey hand in the cage? What am I holding on to that they let go of that may help me, that's impeding me from moving forward? Look at for patterns. Look for patterns in, in people that you respect, in people that you trust, and then run your race. Run. Eyes on the prize. Look into Jesus. And then he says, For many walk, of whom I told you often, and they'll tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. What holds us back? Your mind is on earthly things. Your mind is grounded here. Self becomes the rule. Their God is their belly. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And that's what guides every decision in our life. When we're doing that, we're not running that race. We're that monkey caught in the cage. And the enemy is coming up behind us with a club. And he'll beat on us and beat on us and beat on us as long as we hold on to that thing. It's not real. Let it go. Let it go and allow God to to do that work he wants to do in your life. But we can't. If our eyes are focused on the earth, if our eyes are focused on all the stuff that's going on, if they're turned inwardly towards self. So what do we need to do? He says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Therefore, my beloved and so long for brethren, my joy, my crown, stand fast in the Lord. What's He saying? The secret? You live every day like Jesus is coming back today. You look for Jesus today. What's going to change the way or what I'm doing? I'm looking for Jesus. I am looking for the return of my Savior. I'm not going to worry about all the other things. I'm looking for Jesus because that's going to encourage me to keep moving forward. Because when Jesus comes back, this is what I want to be found doing. When Jesus returns, this is where I want to be focused. This is what I want to have happening in my life. Keep your eyes on the prize. Jesus is the prize. Keep your eyes on Him. If I believe I'm seeing His face today, things are different. I'm not doing things like I'm doing them right now. Look what He says and back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I should become disqualified. I want to stay focused. I want to finish. I want to... I want to complete it all. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is telling the Ephesian elders, he spent three years with them, he's leaving, and as he's going, he's saying, savage wolves are going to come, bad times are coming, people are going to do all these horrible things to you, and I know the Holy Spirit's telling me they're going to arrest me and do all these horrible things to me. Yet he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I might, what, finish my race with joy keeping his eyes focused on the prize keeping his eyes focused on that which truly matters and when Paul was at the end of his race this is what he said I have fought the good fight I have finished the race 
I have kept the faith. That's his swan song. Last thing Paul's going to say to the church. What is the last thing's words from the cross we remember of Jesus? It is finished. Done. Accomplished. Folks, as we look at what God wants for us as a body, what God wants to do in us and through us, we need to realize, hey, it's not just about me. It's not just about us. It's not about my freedom like we talked about last week. What's it about? It's not about how I start. It's about how I finish. I'm going to finish. We're in a variety of places in our, in our separate walks today, aren't we? Some of us are doing great. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are somewhere in the middle. But the Bible says His mercy's new every morning. Today's a great day to get a fresh start, isn't it? A great day to say, you know what? I've just been walking. I'm going to get back to running. Or I was that monkey, my hands in the cage. I'm letting go of the pretty little rocks. And I'm going to take hold of that which matters. Faith and trust in Christ. And that will carry me through. We have that opportunity. May we... Accept the challenges that this life lays out before us and says, here, what are you going to do now? Anybody can quit. But not everybody is going to run to win. But it doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing. What are you going to do? Are you going to run? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time that we can come before you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to open the word. We thank you for John sharing about the Gideons and just the blessing of what God's word does in people's lives, Lord. And we we see all these things and all these people and people doing things. Things are happening. and, and, And Lord, may we look at ourselves and may we just take, may we, may we just take notice of the state that we're in. And not be deceived ourselves. And if we find ourselves in a place where we haven't been doing what we ought, may we forget those things which lie behind and press on. May we not be part of the litany of those who started well. Solomon, Saul, Uzziah. But fell apart at the finish line. May we rather be those who endure, who persevere, and who finish well to bring honor and glory, majesty and dominion to you alone who is worthy of our praise. As we look to that day, in Jesus' name, amen.